Welcome back to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan from Adobe. Today's episode is with Priya Patel, Vice President of Product Marketing at Trip Actions, who shares an inspiring story about pivoting during the pandemic. Fast forward to today and things are thriving again. Hiring has resumed, feature launches are happening, and Priya can focus on her sweet spots, partner marketing, and entering new markets, which we will focus on today. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by Sharebird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, so things that you liked or things you want to hear more of, please send me a note on LinkedIn or feel free to email podcasts at sharebird.com. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm here today with Priya Patel, the Vice President of Product Marketing at Trip Actions. Priya previously held leadership positions as a PMM at Box and Gusto. She is skilled at growing and building both marketing teams and programs from the ground up. She's also hiring, so please reach out to her if you see an open role at Trip Actions that looks like a good fit. So happy that you're here with us today, Priya. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Mary. So happy to be here with you all. Well, I wanted to start off with my favorite question for this season, which is what is something you've done recently that has scared you? Oh, gosh. Well, as some of you might know, Trip Actions is a corporate travel startup, and the corporate travel market pretty much went to a halt during the global pandemic. So I think that was definitely, I would say, a scary time, just dealing with the uncertainty of what's going to happen to this market, managing that uncertainty and anxiety with my team. And it really tested me to think back to why I joined Trip Actions and why I was so excited about the market opportunity our product, really reminding myself of the conviction that I had in the company and our solution and just knowing and believing that business travel would come back. And luckily, fast forward a year plus, we're seeing it in the data that business travel is returning and people are starting to get back on the road. And a lot of Dreamforce was just announced to be in person. We're having our user conference in September. And I think we're starting to hire again. And yeah, it's just probably the most challenging period that I've had as a PMM, and we can chat more about how we had to pivot messaging during the pandemic, given our buyer wasn't really looking to buy travel software, but it was challenging. But I'm so glad I went through that experience because I think I learned a lot as a product marketer. So yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't imagine how it would have been being at a travel company during this time. And I know for myself, I was in sort of this advertising industry and we got hit pretty hard and rebounded, but it's so nice to see that the travel industry is coming back. I've actually been on a plane ride myself for the first time and it's starting to feel more normal. So very good to hear. Thanks for sharing that. And I also love the connection with being a PMM and let's definitely chat about it later on, but I think that it must've been a great learning experience for just being more adaptable and really having to pivot on a dime and can't wait to dive into that with you. So I'd love to hear more about your role right now. So you're the VP of product marketing at Trip Actions. Tell us how that's going, how you're thinking about your team, how the company is organized. We'd love to hear more. 
Yeah. So I lead product marketing at Trip Actions. And what this means is I kind of think of product marketing in kind of three pillars. So we kind of lead and partner with our product team on launches and bringing new features and products to market. That's kind of the first pillar. The second is sales enablement because we are a B2B oriented company. We're moving up market, building out our enterprise sales muscle. And so sales enablement and CS enablement is definitely a big priority for us as it relates to understanding the market dynamics, how we're positioned, the competitive intelligence, et cetera. And then the third piece is really partnering with our marketing organization. So product marketing typically is a big partner to our demand gen team to understand who our target audiences should be, what messages we should serve them. We partner with them on content for webinars and breakout sessions at our user conference and more. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love the way that you have organized your team. Are you also hiring in all of those different focus areas? No, actually our product marketers really span across all three of these areas. Trip Actions is still in startup stage. So I think we're not at a point yet where we have solutions marketers or a PMM for sales enablement, or right now we're really at a stage at which we have PMMs that own and map to specific product areas. And then they kind of run the gamut of sales enablement, kind of competitive partnership with the broader marketing team for those specific product areas. Fun. So it's more of the end-to-end or full-stack product marketer within each of those. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, I've been talking about this book a lot that one of our former podcast interviewees came on and talked about Lisa Kant, this book Range, that's all about finding that generalist type of person can be so much more powerful than focusing on these specific kind of niches. Mm. I just love the connection with product marketing or marketing in general. It's really great to see the focus on the end-to-end experience and really getting all of those parts of the toolkit rather than kind of going deep. I think at different company sizes, there's sort of a, mm-hmm. a different time and a different place. But I think for where you're at, that makes total sense that you'd want folks that can be kind of the all around players. So that's really good to hear. Yeah, I love that. I should check that book out. So I've had the experience being a full stack marketer at a startup. So kind of doing product marketing and demand gen. And I thought that was such a great learning experience and has made me a better product marketer. So I I really love that idea of kind of being a generalist and then maybe specializing later or deciding based on that where you want to specialize. Definitely. And I know that you have a lot of expertise areas in product marketing with your storied career here so far, but I'd love to focus really on two of your sweet spots. So launching in new markets and partner product marketing. Let's start with the launching in new markets. How do you approach that? Is it something that is a business requirement or is the product marketing team actually coming with new market analysis that shows that there is a new market opportunity? Can you walk us through how you even get started on that? new market opportunity? Yeah, sure. So Trip Actions actually, I've been at two companies that have kind of made the leap from single product to multi-product. When I was at Gusto, we extended beyond just payroll and into the benefits, health benefits space. And then at Trip Actions, we started out as a travel management company. And then we launched a corporate card and expense management solution called Trip Actions Liquid last year. And I think that in terms of kind of how to approach that from a PMM standpoint, I think the biggest thing of PMM can do when you're kind of bringing a new product 
to market for your company is really getting to know the customer in the market. So doing a ton of user research. So if you're at an enterprise-oriented company like TripActions, doing a lot of one-on-one customer interviews and then also user groups. So at TripActions, when I was kind of working on the launch of TripActions Liquid Our Expense Management Solution, I held regular user groups with our beta customers to understand things like what their goals are, what their pain points are, what are the solutions they're using today, what do they like and don't like about them, et cetera. And then I use that to really define our value proposition. And then kind of once I had that, also just run it by them as well and kind of our messaging and to make sure it resonates. And then it doesn't end there. We've launched Liquid, this product, about a year and a half ago. And we continue to kind of evolve our messaging and put it in front of our customers to make sure that it continues to resonate. Are there other things we should be focusing on? And then when I was at Gusto, the benefit of Gusto being a small business oriented company, same with consumer, is that you have a lot more access to customers. You can do things like surveys and get respondents, and you can do one-on-one interviews with not only uh, customers, but also prospects. It's much easier to email a prospect with a little monetary incentive to get them on a call. It's not so easy to do that with an enterprise customer. So I found that to be super valuable because it's great to get feedback from existing customers, especially when you're looking to cross-sell them to a new product, but it's also so valuable to get almost that unbiased view from just the market and just really understanding from someone who doesn't even know who you are, getting their perspective on their pain points. I'm so glad you brought up some of the tactical ways that you've worked with finding these customer interviews and finding these surveys. I think that my favorite projects in my career have been being really scrappy and doing research where you're giving people $5 Starbucks cards or just having them in for a user focus group with some kind of product benefit that you're giving them. But yeah, I think never underestimate the power of how much feedback your customers want to give you. You might get some no's, but you'll get a lot of yeses. And I think that's a really good way to move forward with that. As far as partner marketing goes, which is another sweet spot of yours, that always seemed like the most fun part of product marketing to me. And I really have to say, I've only just dabbled in it. So I'd love to know how you think about approaching that as well. Are you usually going with a type of program in mind or a specific partner in mind? Are they usually Mm -hmm. coming to you? How does it even get started? Yeah, let me first kind of define because people might be wondering what is partner product marketing? How is that different from partner marketing? It's a role that's really important for companies that rely on strategic product partnerships to drive business. So at Box, where I led partner PMM, they're a great example. They had a large partner ecosystem because they have a product that makes collaboration more seamless. And we know that there are more and more tools that everyone is using in the workplace around collaboration. So it's really important for Box to plug into these systems in order to be successful with end users. Essentially, they need to be where people are working, right? Whether it's in Slack or in Google Docs or whatever the tool might be. So companies like this will need a business development team to build and manage partner relationships a product team to build integrations, and then a PMM team to support bringing these integrations to the market and also partner with the product team on the roadmap. And at DocuSign, I led marketing for a Salesforce integration, which was a SKU that drove a sizable chunk of our overall revenues. And so that's why partner product marketing and the types of companies where it becomes useful to have that type of a role. It's really important to understand not only your own customer, but also the partner's customer, and then like build a joint value prop that resonates 
resonates with both your target customers. And so that's why the messaging positioning piece is really important, understanding both products. That's what I really enjoy about partner product marketing too, is that you get to shift gears and learn about other solutions, meet your partner marketer counterparts on the other side, business development teams on the other side, and you kind of get to shift your messaging to different personas. So I would focus on the security persona with Okta, for example, the sales leader persona with Salesforce, IT with Zoom and so on. And it's just kind of fun to work with different teams, different companies. There's complexities with it as well. I think it's different when you're launching your company's own product, right? And you essentially own the messaging. But when you're launching a joint product, like an integration, there can be more complexities. You're working, as I mentioned, with a partner PMM or marketer counterpart on the other side, and you really have to align on messaging and kind of co-marketing. For example, some companies might have different marketing philosophies around emailing customers, right? And maybe you're okay emailing your customer base and you're like, hey, can we promote this to your customer base? And they're like, no, we can't do that. And so you kind of have to negotiate and kind of reach alignment. And I think that's really fun. And what are some of your favorite activations as a PMM that you've been able to do once those strategic partnerships are in motion? So meaning webinars, events, you talked about emails. What are some of the highlights you'd recommend for others to try yeah, out? Yeah, I mean... I would say all of it, but I think webinars are a really good tool. I mean, especially in the enterprise space. When I was at Box, we did a lot of four-way marketing with Box, Zoom, Slack, and Okta, kind of targeting the CIO audience and talking about kind of the shift toward a best of breed kind of specialized solutions because we kind of had a common competitor in Microsoft. So we would do thought leadership webinars. We would host in-person events. That time feels so long ago now. We would love our channels like email, we would partner on the field side and partner on things like doing EBCs, executive kind of, we had uh, executive business centers. So kind of connecting our sales teams respectively to do joint pitches to customers, so spanning the gamut of activities in the funnel, doing joint guest blogs and joint white papers and eBooks and yeah, just kind of everything. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's so fun when you find the right partners to work with. And I love the concept of a four-way partnership too. So there can be all kinds of different connection points there. And I think it also is a little bit of a give and take. I think in my partner marketing experience, you come to the table with sort of the menu that you can mm -hmm. offer, that you can deliver, they come to, and you kind of work together on what works and what fits together. So that's really great. Yeah, totally. And you can imagine that four-way messaging, oh going back God. to the complexity, gets really difficult to get alignment and approvals on every side. <laughs> oh, I cannot imagine. Wow, that's really funny. I'd love to bring it back to what we were talking about a bit during the first question on the pivot that Trip Actions really took during COVID. Can you talk a little bit more about how you guys really use that moment of disruption to go back to the basics potentially and how you came out on top a year later? Yeah. So I think that the first thing that became apparent was that we could not use the same messaging, right? The environment around travel was so different. And we immediately pivoted our messaging away from pitching things like the traveler experience and how we have a superior experience there to things like safety, traveler safety, getting employees back from the road and home safely immediately became really important. Our product team was amazing in the span of days and weeks they launched a 
ton of new features and capabilities around COVID. So things like COVID dashboard and reporting and servicing kind of COVID reproduction data directly in the product. So travelers had access to that. So our travel managers who manage the travel programs had access to that. And what was great about that was then gave my team from a product marketing standpoint, something to kind of latch onto and leverage for our marketing and kind of our market narrative. I think that we're in a pretty legacy, antiquated industry with very traditional players, non-tech, that move pretty slowly. So I think what really stood out and to our customers and prospects was kind of this pace at which we were able to launch new features and kind of shift our messaging out in the market. We have an amazing kind of demand gen engine that our marketing team has. So we never dialed back our marketing because of what was happening. And we obviously scaled down in-person events and we stopped those and kind of moved everything digital. I think everyone did, but we kind of dialed up our webinars. We didn't just like continue to do the same number of webinars. We just kind of shifted everything. And then, yeah, just kind of shifted our messaging toward employee safety and giving our customers and prospects the confidence in us being a solution that could really evolve with them. And especially in the face of crises like this and then future crises, right, that might come up. I think that's so wonderful to share all the specifics that you did. And from what I can tell, the brands that have been the most successful took kind of the same playbook that you did. I mean, everyone was creating it on the fly, but keep the lights on with marketing, change your messaging, listen to your customers, be there, just be in front of them and make sure that they know that you are there and will be there when this is all coming to more of a normalized point again. So that's really cool. And props to your product team for getting so many new features out that must have kept you all busy as well. (laughs) Yeah, they're amazing. And now we've shifted our messaging now away from traveler safety to return to travel. And Mm -hmm. as people are getting back onto the road, what are some ways that we can make travel even more seamless for them? Because now there's all these like, I just went to Hawaii a few weeks back. And there's so many kind of things you have to think about getting COVID tested, what are the requirements when you land the requirements when you leave. And so we're doing things like surfacing that information at the time of booking, making it available to you dynamically in your itinerary. So having a product team that's so prolific just makes your life as a product marketer that much easier. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your product marketing philosophy. Can you share that with our listeners? So in terms of product marketing philosophy, I think one thing is that I believe that our job as product marketers is to know the customer better than anyone else at the company. I mean, maybe CS might know specific customers better, but just really understanding the customer, their pain points, being the voice of the customer to all organizations, both across the product side, but also kind of the field facing organizations. Just to kind of talk about my philosophy, like personally, and just throughout my career as a PMM, I think that the best PMMs or not the best PMMs, I think that the most successful successful PMMs that I've seen just do really well in their careers, they don't say no. I think it's really easy sometimes when, especially when you're at a startup and you're getting requests left and right, and your role isn't always clearly defined to the rest of the organization. It's kind of easy to say no, or I don't have bandwidth for this particular thing. But what I found is when I take on projects, even if I kind of know, okay, this isn't something per se that product marketing needs to do, but it's something that 
fills a gap for the company or would help our customer serve our customer better. Just take those projects on because especially if you're earlier in your product marketing career, that's really how you learn as much as possible and become a better product marketer. And then also get to know other people across the organization that you might otherwise not have gotten to know. So that, I don't know if that's a philosophy as much as advice that I would give to uh, podcast listeners earlier in their career. I think that's really great. And I would add that projects of a strategic nature might be ones to focus on specifically that you'll learn something from. I think it's easy to get into the, hey, can you make me a one sheet for every single vertical flavor that you can get? So caveat I would give to (laughs) myself, which is say yes within reason, which I love that you added in. But yeah, yeah, especially at smaller companies, you would be shocked at what product marketing can handle developing pricing, working on an investor pitch deck, actually handling events and things like that. So if there's an interest level and an opportunity, I totally agree. It's a great way to grow your career and kind of meet other people that are cross-functional and that you could be working with and also just find out what you're really interested in and where your passion lies. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point. Don't say yes to every data sheet request. (laughs) Yeah, be careful on those ones. And then I know that you have some other advice you wanted to share as well with listeners. Can you impart that knowledge on us? Yeah. I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot myself, right? Like what, and especially being a new mom, I have a 15 month old. I think that it's just important to be honest with yourself about what's important to you. Truly. You can't have it all. And especially for working moms out there, you'll need to make sacrifices. And I think just having a North star, knowing where you want to be, having a goal and kind of making sure that you're on track to achieve that is really important. Kind of knowing what you want long-term and And then you can kind of understand or decide whether the sacrifices you're making now are necessary for you to get there, because it's just something that I've thought about a lot, especially during the pandemic when you're just working a ton. And then as a new mom, I'm like, I can't always be there for every moment with my daughter when I'd love to. And I have been honest with myself and know that I would love as a North Star to lead marketing at one point. And so I love what I do and I love where I'm working and I've committed myself to that. But then that also means that I won't be able to be there for every moment, right? With my daughter. So I think it's very easy to just get on a path and just kind of not blindly go down it, but it's just easy to kind of keep progressing. But at a certain point, you might burn out if you're like, okay, actually, I realize that this isn't actually something that I'm passionate about or that I want. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's something I've been thinking of a lot as well. And I think COVID definitely put a lot of things into perspective. And I'm actually reading this, another book I'll bring up called The Inner Edge, and it's about personal leadership. And it's one of the best books that I've read recently on leadership because it talks about balance and setting those priorities and being honest with yourself about your whole life, not just the business hacks to make you more productive or something. So to kind of add on to what you were saying, I've started with a vision statement of what I want my life to be like. And now I have four focus areas within that. And so I'm using it in a very PM mm-hmm. way as a framework to make decisions about what to say no, and what to say yes to. And one of the pillars is being balanced and present with my family. So making mm-hmm. sure that time with them is really sacred and really precious as a mom juggling, working remotely and everything else that comes with it as well. I think it's really easy to get into the habit of checking email 
while they're drinking their morning milk or whatever, you you might need to try to fill in all the hours, but I think this time goes so quickly and it's just important to be able at the end of the day. And at the end of the year, you want to make sure that you're working towards those higher level goals. And obviously you've done a great job of that being in the position that you are and having this 15 month old little, little perfect one. So (laughs) props to you for that. (laughs) I love that. I have to check that book out. Yeah, it's a great one. I was skeptical at first, but I think that it's a really good way to kind of formulate how you're focusing in on the things that are important. I'm not done with it yet, but so far it's okay. (laughs) And so kind of related to that and this being true to yourself, when do you feel that you are the happiest professionally and personally? I feel like I'm the happiest when, okay, I think they're different professionally versus personally. So professionally, it's when I feel challenged and I'm making an impact and I'm building something from scratch. I think that's always something that I've looked for in career opportunities and why I love being at high growth, kind of earlier stage companies and just around people that are also similarly kind of motivated to roll up their sleeves and we're all kind of building together. I would say from a personal standpoint, I think I'm happiest when I'm with my family and especially during COVID, just like, as I mentioned, just being a relatively new mom, just literally doing nothing with my family. I used to be the type of person who would love to make social plans and kind of feel like, okay, every weekend I need to have something going on. But now that I work at a startup, I find that I need a lot of open downtime to just recharge when I'm not working. And I love what you said about being present, right? I think maybe that's why I like it is because it's less distraction. I can just like really just be there present, spending time with my daughter. That's so awesome. Thanks for sharing the separation between the personal and professional too. I think there are different things. You don't want to be challenged in your personal life, but that is something that will help you with your professional goals and something that's exciting. So I think that makes sense. And yeah, the relaxing weekends, that's where it's at. I'm kind of getting a little nervous that we have plans now almost every weekend of the summer. It seems like something. It's so weird where we used to not have anything last year. I know it's going to be an adjustment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think I want to move now into the rapid fire questions. Can't believe it, but we're at that time. So I wanted to first start with who have been your strongest PMM mentors. So I'm adding them in air quotes because Mm -hmm. you have a bit of a different take on mentors. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I don't have formal mentors and it's just not me to go up to someone. And I've never been that type of person to just ask someone to formally mentor me. It just doesn't feel natural. But what I love doing is chatting with and sharing best practices with other PMMs that I respect and admire and have worked with. So it's always fun to chat with friends who are in similar positions at other startups or even at larger companies about the challenges that they're working through. We talk about things like compensation, which I highly recommend recommend that everyone, every female PMM does with their friends and peers. And often we're going through something similar, or they're going through something that I'm able to learn from and probably will go through at some point in the future. So definitely that I think I learn a lot from my peers. And I also have to call out my CMO, Megan Eisenberg, who's such a great mentor. And she's worked at companies like DocuSign when I first worked with her and MongoDB, where she kind of led them pre-IPO through IPO. And I feel like what I really love and have learned a lot about from her, she's a mom of three kids. She kind of juggles being a CMO at very intensive kind of work environments, but also spending time with her daughters. So it kind of just is inspiration for you can do it all. 
That's amazing. I love that. And I, I think that is echoed by a lot of the people that we've had on the show. You don't necessarily always need a mentor, but you do need a network of people that you can share these experiences with. And either way you go, I think it's important to have that. Yeah. And what would you say is the one thing that's been most important in growing your career? I would say don't be afraid of rejection and take risks. I've shifted career paths a few times in my career. I've done everything from consulting to equity research to CPG marketing to tech marketing. And I think that for me, I've always kind of jumped toward things that I'm interested in at the time. In my younger career, I might not always have had like a North Star and been as deliberate about every career move that I took. But I think I have no regrets because I think every experience I learned so much from. And I specifically remember when I was working at JP Morgan and equity research and trying to make the shift into product marketing, okay, from equity research, finance, and it was really hard. And I networked like crazy. I got rejected so many times. And fast forward kind of 10 years, maybe a little less years, here's where I am today. And so I would just say, don't be afraid of rejection for folks who are listening, who are looking to enter the product marketing field, just focus on there's so many transferable skills to product marketing that you can focus on. So yeah, and, and don't be afraid to take risks, right? When I joined Trip Actions, it's not something that I've mentioned thus far, but I was actually pregnant. And I was in a situation where I'd worked at the company for a while, had established relationships, they're a public company, they had a lot more generous maternity leave benefits. And I just felt like I was at a point in my career where I really wanted to feel challenged. And I decided to take the leap to join a startup when I was pregnant. And I was lucky in that I had a CMO who was very supportive of me being in that situation and welcomed it. But yeah, just don't be afraid to take risks because fast forward a year and a half, I feel like I've learned so much and grown so much from this experience. And I'm so glad that I took the leap. That's so great to hear and such good advice because I think it can be really challenging and really intimidating, like you said, to go into product marketing and you're kind of getting the doors closed in your face, so to speak, but you get persevering and now you're a VP of product marketing. So it can happen. <laughs> All right. So why product marketing? I love that product marketing is, as a product marketer, you're at the nexus of so many different functions at a company from product and design all the way to the customer facing teams like sales and CS. You're so involved in kind of the strategy and kind of the voice of the customer. You're developing all of the messaging that gets out to the market around the product. So I think it's a really great role to get purview over an entire business because you're working with literally almost every function at the company. And you're able to truly make an impact to it and touch every customer through your messaging. So I just think it's just so great and how cross-functional it is. And I think it's one of the reasons why I feel like a lot of people who are just interested in being uh, GMs or maybe starting their own business one day love kind of having product marketing be one of the entry points to that because you just really do get to learn the business so well across all sides. Love that. And a couple more for you. How did you get to where you are today? If you could sum it up. 
I would say uh, trial. <laughs> I mentioned that I've made a few career pivots just from different types of roles, marketing and non-marketing. So I think just really testing things out and kind of figuring out along the way what I'm passionate about and what interests me. Trial and error. And I would also take a bit from my favorite podcast, How I Built This. I think hard work and a bit of luck. I do believe that a big factor in career and life and kind of success is having access to opportunities, obviously being capable and motivated motivated and all of that is important. But as the child of immigrants who came here 30 years ago, I'm just so grateful to be where I am today. And I think it's important to recognize that as well. That's so lovely. And the last question for you is what is next? I would love to, I think the next natural progression for me and what I've kind of had as my North Star is to lead marketing in the future, probably at a smaller company. But I think it's a natural progression from leading PMM. And I think that it would just be really interesting to kind of delve into other marketing areas like demand gen and content and brand. And I love as a product marketer, being able to work with all of those different functions as a part of my work and as a part of launches and so yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking is the next step. I love that. Well, if you put it out there in the universe, it will happen. <laughs> so I'm glad, glad you're sharing that with all of us. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your insights, and for being on the show today. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Priya. It was so great talking to you. Thank you, Mary. It was great being here with everyone. Women in Product Marketing is proudly supported by Clue. That's Clue with a K, the competitive enablement platform for all product marketers. This podcast is produced by ShareBird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It is the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, so things that you liked or things you want to hear more of, please send me a note on LinkedIn or feel free to email podcasts at sharebird.com. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share with someone you think will love it. Next week, we talk with Liz Tassi, who is an expert storyteller. Can't wait for you to tune in. Thanks so much and catch you next time.